Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. Today, Pastor CJ brings us part three of his Hydrate series, Keep Hydrated Through Friendships. In this message, Pastor CJ reminds us how true friends are a blessing that keep us sharp and pointed in the right direction. We hope you enjoy this message. Someone say amen. Amen. Take all your sermon notes today, and I'm excited. I want to jump right into this message. I'm excited about this message because this is the third part of the series I've been talking about, Hydrate. And uh, we've been talking about Hydrate. I wrote this message out of Mexico uh, three weeks ago when we were in Mexico. I was staying home and just praying in my upper room there in Mexico because I had to prepare for the service. And God gave me three messages from that time. And this is the third part of the message, and it's called Hydrate. We talked about Hydrate a couple weeks ago about being dehydrated. And signs of being dehydrated were the lack of reading God's Word. When you're dehydrated, you don't want to read God's Word. You don't have an appetite for God. God's Word. You put God's Word on the shelf. The second thing when you're dehydrated is that you don't want to come to church. You always look at people as hypocrites or phony or false and all these kind of things. It's because you're dehydrated. A third thing about dehydration is you have a lack of faith. You once believed for big things to happen in your life, but because of dehydration and things, now you start dwindling away your faith and you don't expect big things in your life anymore. And then the other thing that happens is that you say the word can't instead of can. The Bible says you can do all things who can through Christ who strengthens you, and I always say that miracles come in cans, and miracle comes in cans. You can do all things through Christ, but that's the part about dehydrating. Last week, I talked about how to hydrate yourself, and one of the greatest ways to hydrate yourself is walking in joy. The Bible says that joy is like good medicine. Laughter is like good medicine, and a lot of times what happens is that when we're, we hydrate ourselves or we smile or when we laugh, it sets forth our, our dwarfins, and it sets forth energy and makes us feel good about ourselves. Laughter is like good medicine. A smile costs nothing, but it creates much. When you smile, man, it creates much for other people. And so we talked about joy, Jesus first, others second, yourself third, which brings joy to your life. And so today I want to talk to you something about that I was excited about watching our group. For those that are new here today, we uh, took a missions trip to Mexico. And we had 28 uh, people that went to our trip on Mexico. And at nighttime, when we got off the field and working there and, and doing the orphanage work that we had to do, all 28 of us would get together and we'd have our devotions. And one of us would share, like Janet and Everett shared one night, and Jeff and Edie shared one night, and, and so on and so forth. Kevin and Terry shared and so on. But what happened, and after they got done sharing, they got an opportunity to talk about themselves. And what happened was I asked people, at least five, we called it, I love to tell my story. And what it meant was I love to tell my story that people would just share about who they were. So, for instance, Jeremiah, he would tell his story. My name is Jeremiah. I grew up in so-and-so place, and I come from a family of three, and blah, 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 blah. But he would tell some stories or tell things about him. And what happened was that I noticed that people started to connect with each other. And it was so cool. And people would say, I didn't know that about you, Aaron. I didn't know that about you, Lauren. I didn't know that about you, and so on and so forth. And it was so cool because people, Andy, were connecting. It was like, wow, I didn't know that you had that interest, and I had that same interest. You could see that the lights were coming on with one another like, man, I could hang out with her. I could I could have fun with her because, man, I, I, I got the same interests. I have the same hobbies. And people, man, it was so cool watching them bond together. We were praying together, crying together, and all these different things. But the cool thing that I saw out of that was friendships. How many of you know that we all need friends? 
Seriously. I always hear people say, man, I, I, I don't have any friends, and man, I come to church, and all I am is a number at church, and people don't really care about me. They just want me to come and fill a pew and so on. But you know what? I always learned the key is this. Listen, you have to be friendly to make friends. You have to be friendly. You have to be one that reaches out yourself. If you're always on the sidelines waiting for someone to come to you, you might be waiting a long time. You have to engage and you have to participate. You have to get involved also. People always say, Pastor, since you've been here, man, you uh, haven't let the grass get under your feet, man. You've been doing so many different things. And today is exactly seven months that I, I started here. It's kind of crazy. I can't even believe that. Seven months. Can you believe that? It just seems like yesterday, really. It seems like I been here forever because I love you guys so much. I really do. And, and I, I really do. And, and Chris, he's not here today, but Chris's secretary is here. He works with, I should say, is here today. I know you. I remember going into American Family and seeing you there. So if you need insurance, see her. Amen. That's a plug for you. Look at that. Check that out. But, uh, but you know what's so cool is that, you know, with being a friend is getting involved. And so why do I do a lot of activities and why do we do a lot of things? It's because hoping and praying that you can get connected because they say if you have seven to ten friends in a church, you're stay, you're stick, you're get involved. When I was at my previous church in, in Burnsville, we did a slogan there, connect grow, serve, and go. Remember this, Sherry and Dave? We did connect, grow, serve, and go. And the whole precepts of that was to connect with one another, to grow with one another, and to serve with one another, and to go with one another. And the whole precept was this, their strength in numbers. People always say to me, why do I love the Golden State Warriors? Is it because of Stephon Curry? Man, he's a great basketball player. He's a great shooter. I was a shooter. Is it because of Kevin Durant? He's a great basketball player. They say he's number one, probably one, the number one basketball player now in the world between him and LeBron James. Is it because of uh, Draymond Green? No, you know what it's about? It's because even though they're all superstars, there's one key element that they have over a lot of teams. And that is that, first of all, they like each other. Second of all, they play together as a team. And their slogan is that there's strength in numbers. And because they have strength in numbers, in other words, there's no the big I's or little U's, or it, it, there's a team, they win. And a lot of people are jealous and envious of them because they win and they're very successful. It's not because other teams may have more talent or they have more talent than other teams. It's because they learn the secret. And the secret is they have their friends. They're not just players that just play on the basketball court together. But if you look at him, Iguodala, man, I read a thing about him. His personality is fun. He's a lot of a jokester on the team, but he makes people relax. And that's why they wanted to bring him back when he was a free agent, because there's a character that's on that team. They like each other. And because they like each other, they win together. And you know what? When a church comes together, when a church comes together, I want you to hear this. When a church comes together and we like each other and we build relationships and friendships, there's no limit to what we can do here in communities of around the surrounding communities, whether it be Siren, whether it be Luck, whether it be Frederick, whether it be Milltown, whether it be Webster, whether it be, you know, wherever, wherever you're from, Grantsburg, wherever you're from, there's no limit to what we can do. You know why? Because there's strength in numbers. And numbers come and strength comes when we join together hand to hand and say, listen, you're my friend, you're my brother, and you're my sister, and we're going to work it out together.
And so I built this, this message, and I called it Keep Hydrated Through Friendships. And one of the things that I saw there was that people were developing friendships. And because they were developing friendships, now when we came back, my prayer was that God, that the friendships that we're developing here in Mexico, I pray they will carry over here in the States. That we will truly be friends. That we won't just be fair weather friends. And you know what a fair weather friend is? A fair weather friend says this, hi, goodbye, and how's the family? In other words, it's very shallow. And I don't want to be a shallow friend. I want to be a deep relationship friend that's there to pick you up when you fall. And that's why Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, pity the man, Rachel, who doesn't have a friend to pick him up when he falls. That we're there to pick each other up. And I don't want you to be friendless. I want you to be friendful. I want you to be full of friends. That we be a church that is friendly. That we be a church that when people walk into these doors, that we extend a hand, that we let them know that, hey, welcome, that we're here to greet them and meet them, and not only greet them and meet them, but be a friend to them. Amen? That's what it's all about. But in Proverbs 27, it says these great words, and I love what it says in Proverbs. Proverbs talks about this, and Solomon was the wisest man, obviously, on the planet. And when he penned these words, how true it is. Here's what he says. As iron sharpens iron, so does one person, and that person is you. That God has given you a responsibility. It's not always waiting for someone to come and sharpen you, for someone to edify you. But as iron sharpens iron, so does one person sharpen another. So in other words, Greg, what he's saying, Greg, that you are a sharpener to someone else. That you, Greg, God created you to sharpen and to encourage someone else. That you have a responsibility. And that responsibility, Jessica, is not to sit back on our blessed assurance waiting for someone else to come to us, but we need to engage and get involved to help and sharpen one another. I've always found this to be true. Whenever I feel like I'm down and discouraged, Jeremiah, or maybe feeling depressed, and how many know we all go through those moments? If you don't, you're lying. And I'm going to have an altar call at the end, and you better be at the, you better be at the altars. Amen. Because we all go through those moments. And where does the enemy really beat us up the most? Right here in the mind. He likes this is the battlefield of the mind, Joyce Myers. He likes to come at your mind. And when he takes over your mind, what does he do? He puts all that pollution in your mind and makes you feel down and discouraged about yourself. So whenever I feel bad about myself, you know what I do? I go out and I look for people. Seriously. I go out, Carl, and I'll look intentionally for people. You know why? Because when I think I got it bad and I go start engaging with other people, guess what? I realize I don't have it so bad after all. But when you're going through a bad time in life, what happens is the enemy wants you to magnify on your problem to make your problem where it's really an anthill into a mountain. And he wants you to magnify that problem and make it bigger than it really is. So what I always do is that I'm going to reverse the curse and I'm going to go out and I'm going to start sharing with people, and I'm going to become friendly to the friendless, and I'm going to share my story. They, they can share their story, and guess what? I walk away feeling good. I told the people this morning, my son sent me a song, and maybe you guys saw this song, powerful song. When I came into the first service, I felt like the energized bunny. I kid you not, and I'm coming down off a high, amen? But how many of you heard that song, Champion, by Carrie Underwood? It's the new song that came out. You can go ahead and pull out your smartphones and look it out. Uh, but it's the new song by Carrie Underwood, Champion. And my son sent it to me this morning, and he knows that I listen to praise and worship music every morning. So I, I clicked on it, and I turned it on, and it was on YouTube. And, man, I played that song about ten times. I kept on playing it ten times. 
times. I'm not kidding. You kept playing it over and over again. And I had my Bluetooth speaker going. I had it as loud as it can be. My wife's yelling in the other room, turn it down. I said, no, I'm getting high. Amen. But you know what it's, it's about? It was about a champion. I am invincible. I am a winner. I am successful. And you know what? It made me feel good about myself. And sometimes what happens is, listen, iron sharpens iron. We need to be there to one another to help each other, to encourage each other along this journey. No one ever said that serving the Lord is going to be a better rose. It's going to be easy. Sometimes what we forget is that better roses have the biggest thorns. And so sometimes what happens, just because they look pretty on the outside, doesn't mean you're, you're good on the inside. And we need to be sensitive to one another and encourage one another and sharpen one another and blow wind into each other's sales say listen I'm in your corner Quinn I'm here to support you I'm here to help you I'm here to be your brother because after all when we leave the safety of this church we go out into a world that's nasty cruel and rude they don't care about you they're always trying to get ahead of you they're always trying to get one above you they're always trying to conquer you they're always trying to put you down and make themselves look better and if we today don't have friends around us to breathe life into us where are we going to find that the church should be a safe place that we can find brothers and sisters of like faith that we can encourage each other and love each other in the things of God. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? So he says, iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. I like this. In, in Proverbs eleven twenty five. you don't have this on your notes, but listen. He says, he refreshes others, refreshes himself. In Proverbs eleven twenty five, a friend is there to keep you on point with God, others, and yourself. You know, I have five people that I'm accountable to. And they're all over. They're not, not anyone's in, in this community. Two are down in Kenosha. Two are in Colorado. One's in Arizona. I have five people that I'm always accountable to. And you know what they do? They always ask me, CJ, how are you doing spiritually? So they check up on my, my God. So they give me a checkup from the neck up. How are you doing in your heart? How is your relationship with God? Are you, are you on point with God? You see, that's what a friend does. The first thing that a friend should do is point you to God. Because it, what Jesus is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And if you're not in tune with God, what happens is you drift away. So a friend should, first of all, point you to God. How is your relationship? Are you reading? Are you praying? If you're not reading and praying, you're straying. But how are you doing with others? You see, what happens is when you're not engaged, what happens is you feel like the Lone Ranger. And we're talking about that on Wednesday nights, how John the Baptist took a stand. And because he took a stand for God, what happened was he was persecuted. You know the, the situation with John the Baptist. But what happens is a lot of times with when you're not becoming friendly, a friend should be there saying, hey, yeah, Melissa, are you engaging with others? Why are we doing all these activities? Hoping that you will engage with each other because we need each other. We need each other. You know, listen, Golden State Warriors don't win because of me, myself, and I. They win because of a team. And you know what? If you're out there on your own and you're not engaging, you're not going to win. There's strength in numbers. We need each other. We need each other to help each other through our battles. And if you want to win, you need to be engaged. You have to be in front friend to the friend list. So how are you doing with others? How are you doing with yourself? You see, how are you doing with yourself? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you doing some hobbies outside of just work all the time? You see, that's what a friend does. Yesterday, I had an opportunity. I put on 51 miles of snowmobile, and it was fun. Man, I took Mark with me, and man, believe me or not, I didn't know Mark if he could snowmobile or not, so I was expecting him to be da-dun, da-dun, da-dun. Come on, Mark, but you know what? Actually, he did pretty good. Amen. 
But you know what? It's fun because we stopped at uh, Oak Ridge there, and we ate at Oak Ridge, and the place was packed. It was just packed, and we were laughing around the people. And then, Michael, here's the cool thing. Your neighbor, your neighbor works there. She freaked me out. Check this out. I didn't know your neighbor. Didn't know her, but she knew me. So she comes up to the table. We're getting ready to order. She gives me this big hug, and she says, are you CJ? And I'm like, man, she freaked me out. I kid you not. I thought, no, my wife's not here. Amen. <laughs> but, you know, it freaked me out because here she knew me, Michael, so she's there. And, you know, it's so fun because we're building relationships. My point is, listen, guys, if you want to be friend, have friends, you got to be friendly. And that's what Jer- uh, uh, Proverbs is saying. A friend keeps you on point. True friends is like a sound health. The value of it seldom is known until it's lost. How many know that's true? It's so true. A friend is someone who's there for you when you'd rather be somewhere else. Wow, isn't that some? A friend is there for you when you'd rather be somewhere else. A friend is someone who believes in you when you have ceased to believe in yourself. Why does it say a pity a man who doesn't have a friend to pick him up when he falls? We all go through those moments, but you know what? We need each other to pick each other up. When is the last time you picked up the phone and you called somebody? Or are you waiting for your phone to ring that somebody's calling you? You see, when you make deposits now, you'll get withdrawals later. And deposits are making deposits or investing into people's lives. And if you start investing into people's lives now, guess what? Eventually, it'll come back to you. What you reap is what you sow. And so, listen, here's a prime example about what you reap or what you sow. When my son was growing up, man, I could never keep him still. We had to give up walking when we lived in Colorado. We couldn't do mountain walks. We couldn't do trails. We couldn't do anything because I don't know what it was. People said, well, why didn't you spank him? I did that. People said, why don't you ground him? I did that. People said, take his music away because my son loves music. I did that. I could never get him to settle down. When I take him on the trail, it's like, whoom, he's gone. He just run. He'll run as fast as he can to the edge of these mountains. And I mean, these cliffs are huge. And he'll run, and you can literally hear his feet slide <laughs> across the thing. And we're just like, ah! And so finally, we just, we just had to give up. I mean, I spanked, I grounded, I did all these things, and he never did. So we went to Disney on Ice this Friday. What you sow is what you reap, right? So we went to Disney on Ice this Friday, and we took our six grandbabies. And then, uh, so we're getting done. It was a great time, and down there at the Target Center. And so we're going out the corridor, and my little grandbaby, my son, what you sow is what you reap. If you put him down, whew, He's just like his dad. One and a half years old. Wham, he's gone. I mean, he's got one motor. It's kamikaze. That's it. And I call him, man, T-Rex. Because everywhere he goes, he he just wrecks everything. And so he's gone. So I had to run after him. Well, when I ran after him, my five year old grandson ran the wrong direction. How many of you ever had the fear of God put in you, man, right? So he ran the wrong direction. And so when you got grandbabies is like herding cats. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, <laughs> and so here they are. We're, we're, we're herding the cats, and we realize that Miles, my, my five-year-old, is gone, and my wife yelled, where's Miles? And he was gone. So I ran down one corridor. My wife ran down another. My wife, I think she was having a heart attack. For five minutes, we couldn't find him. Finally, I ran down another corridor, and here comes this lady carrying Miles, and he was crying on his shoulder, and she herself was crying, and I, I found him. And I thought to myself, wow, man, what a scary event that was. I mean, but you know what? 
What is a friend there to do when you go through events? It's to pick you up. It's to pick you up and say, it's going to be okay. Everything is all right. I remember many times, man, my, my mom, and man, she was the greatest thing, and she passed away. My mom was amazing. And you mothers, you, you deserve a first place all the time because you mothers are the greatest cheerleaders. But if it wasn't for you mothers, and if it wasn't for your mother, I wonder some of us if we would be here today. But somebody in your life or in your corner blew wind in your sail and believed in you. And if someone believed in you, shouldn't we believe in others? Shouldn't we be a friend to the friendless? Shouldn't we bring hope to the hopeless? Shouldn't we bring joy to the joyless? That's what God has planted us to do, that we are his hands and his feet extended. Do you ever notice when Jesus moved upon the crowd, he always was moved with compassion, love, and understanding. He reached out. He never was just involved with a certain group. You see, there's two types of people that you can hang around with. And I'll tell you, there's the cliques. Clicks are people that don't let people involved. They're the ones that got their inner circle, that just like their inner circle, us and no more. Or there's the ones that just are friendly, that have no respect for a person, just love each other. Well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm a click breaker. If you notice me, I don't have clicks. I really don't. I love everyone. But you know what that's for is because the Bible says the two greatest commands is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Does that mean that I just love my clique and not us and no more? No, it means that we love the whole body. You see, the Bible says you can't say to the hand, I don't need the hand, or you can't say to the eye, I don't need the eye. We need each other. And the only way we can be a part of the body and function as a body is that we love each other and that we're friendly to each and every one of us and not single out one and over the other. It doesn't matter what color, race, or creed you're from. We are all brothers and sisters of like faith, that we are all brothers and sisters that love the Lord, that we are all brothers and sisters. Like what, what did Diana Ross used to sing? You're my brother, you're my sister. Read out and touch someone, make this world a better place if you can. You see, that's what it's all about. So he says, listen, a friend is someone who believes in you when you don't believe in yourself. A hug is worth a thousand words. A friend is worth more. Everyone is a friend until proven otherwise. In 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, it's the greatest story. And I love the story. And if you read chapter 18, chapter 19, chapter 20, you read a story about an ultimate friendship, Jonathan and David. Jonathan was the son of Saul. Saul was the king. Saul became jealous of David. And because of Saul's jealousy, Saul wanted to kill David. The people would go out and say, Saul slayed a 1,000, but David slayed 10,000. And because of that, his jealousy raged against David. But what happened was is Jonathan and David were best friends. And because they were best friends, they had a bond and they have a commitment. And if you want to be a friend to someone and you want to really see what a friendship is like, read those three chapters, 18, 19, and 20. And ask yourself, are you a true friend? You see, friends means that sometimes you have to sacrifice. Friends means sometimes you have to give up things. Friends means that's not just my way or the highway. It's inter interacting. It's giving and it's taking. And so a lot of times what happens in friendship, it's only lopsided, that we're always just taking and not giving. And we become spiritually bankrupt, emotionally bankrupt. Man, we become all these different things because they're all take, 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 and not giving back. 
And so David and Jonathan had the ultimate friendship, a friendship that I pray that we can become like as a church and that you can develop with your one another and develop friends that are there. But in 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 through 4, it says these words. After David had finished taking, talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David. Isn't that cool? One in spirit. In other words, man, can you imagine, have you ever had this before? That man, before your friend says something, you were going to say the same thing? Or you said it before they said it because you guys think alike? You're almost like Siamese twins. You, know, you just kind of got that same thing, and you, don't, you know what they're going to say before they say it, and they know what you're going to say before. It's because they're one in spirit. That's how close they were. And they said this, and he loved him as himself. Isn't that great? Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that the second greatest command? Sometimes it's hard, and I want you to hear this now. Sometimes it's hard to love others as yourself because you yourself don't love yourself. Because you don't love who you are. And maybe you don't love who you are because you've taken into your situation, into your life, things or events that happened to you. Maybe you weren't the look that you wanted to be. Maybe you're not this or that that you don't want to be. And because you're not this or that who you think you're supposed to be, then you don't allow yourself to love others because you can't love yourself. How many can say amen to that? Then he goes on to say, he says, let him, let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe. Look at what he did. He sacrificed. And he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. You see what he did? He sacrificed. He gave of himself the ultimate friendship. Let me ask you, are you a friend? Will you be willing to give up things for your friends? That's what a friendship is all about. And while I was in Mexico writing this message, I thought to myself, wow, how cool it is to watch Everett engage or Janet engage and all these others engage. It was so cool. And I sat back, and we're in this circle, and watching the, it was the coolest thing, Lisa. It was so cool watching Andy, these guys engaged. But you know what, though? In 1 Corinthians 15, it says these words. Do not be misled. Watch this. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Wow. Have you ever heard this before? Guilty by association. A lot of times we are un, unworthily labeled or we're, we're labeled unjustly because maybe by the association of the people we're hanging with. By people maybe that we're hanging with, and because we're hanging with them, we're automatically thrown into that category of who we are. But when it says bad company corrupts good character, that means are they making you break moral standards? Are they making you maybe break things that you believe in and have, have a conviction about? You see, a friend's not going to pull you down. They're going to pull you up. They're going to encourage you. And you have to ask yourself, are they feeding into your life on the good terms, or are they taking you down? Are they pulling you down? A lot of times what happens is a lot of people get discouraged and give, give up, and they fall into peer pressure because we're always around people. And how many know that 10 against 1 is not a fair fight? And if we're always around people that are pulling us down and maybe don't have the character or the, the morals or the standards that we do, eventually, if we're around that a lot of times it's going to make us crack and then guess what we're going to fall into the same situation that we ourselves don't want to be or to do you see listen there are good ships and bad ships but the best ships are friendships 
the best ships are friendships. That, God, I, I want right people in my life. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. That, God, I, I want people in my life that are going to sharpen me, encourage me, believe in my dream, believe in my, my, my destiny in life, that believe in my, 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 where I want to go. A bad friend will lead you down the wrong path and always take, you, uh, take, you from the, take from you instead of helping you. How many know that's true? A bad friend will make you do things that you might not want to do. How many know that's true? Make you do things that you don't want to do. I remember my first time taking drugs. You know what that was? It was one of my friends that I trusted it. And when I took my first hit of acid, it was a good friend of mine. I'll never forget that. But I finally cracked under the peer pressure of taking my first hit of acid. I shared my testimony for the first time in 10 years uh, this last Tuesday. And since that time, they want me to share it again on a Sunday morning. Maybe I will. I'm not sure. I used to travel and do that all the time. So I, I'm not really sure what I want to do with that with my alcohol and drug experience and all that stuff. I might share that eventually. But, but it was one friend. It was one friend that led me taking microdots, acid in my eyes, going down in my bloodstream that led me to the cocaine addiction, led me to the heroin. One friend. I wonder, what friends are you with? True story. My son, while we were in Oklahoma, no kidding, if I wouldn't have seen this with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. My wife and I were in my daughter's room arranging her furniture there in Oklahoma. And her, her bedroom window faced the street. And uh, right across the street was my, fr my son, CJ's good friend. And I'm just going to call him Tommy. And Tommy lived across the street, and CJ and Tommy hung out together like crazy. True story, true story. And they hung together like crazy. But what was happening is, is CJ started taking on the character of Tommy. And what happened was is that CJ had come home, and, man, he let the birds fly. You know what I'm saying? He said all kinds of words. And I said, where would you learn that word from? And it wasn't a good word, believe me you, amen? And he starts saying, well, Tommy taught me that. Well, wait a minute, son. We, we, we don't do that around here. Well, Dad, Tommy just does it all the time. And blah, 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 blah. You know, he gives a blue streak. You got my ideas, right? And, and so he's just doing this. So he's coming home, and, and my son's repeating what Tommy said. Wait, 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 wait. You're not a parent. You don't do that. Polly doesn't want a cracker, okay? And so he'd come home, and he'd say all this stuff. And so I didn't know how to talk to him in kid lingo. So I said, well, you know what? Uh, CJ, Tommy, Tommy just needs to give his life to Jesus. He, he just needs to turn his heart around. And, you know, he's a good boy, but, you know, he doesn't know Jesus. And, you know, and so I'm trying to be real delicate, right? So one day, and this is the day, I kid you not, I promise you, no kidding. Uh, we're in the room arranging Heidi's furniture, looking out the window, and Tommy's ready to cross the street. And my son said, nope, nope, stop right there. Tommy said, why? He said, I can't play with you. Tommy said, well, why not? My son said, because you don't know Jesus. True story, Jeff. I'm not kidding. No exaggeration. Tommy says, well, how do I need to get to know Jesus? He said, get on your knees. So little Tommy gets, no kidding, on the curb right there across the street, honest, honest engine, I promise you. He gets on his knees, and my son says, now repeat this after me. Little Tommy gets, dear Jesus, little Tommy, dear Jesus, come into my heart, come into my heart. Accept the mess, Lord, and save it. It leads him to the prayer. And after he says, amen, Tommy says, amen. Tommy gets up. My son says, now I can play with you. <laughs> but the thing was, is that here at, at that age, at that age, he was impressionable about saying things that, that we don't say. And not that Tommy was a bad kid, but it was getting into my kids' spirit. 
You see what I'm saying? And sometimes what happens is it's a, it's a subtle thing that friendships can pull you down. It's subtle, and they can take from you. You see, listen, lessons we can learn from David and Jonathan, number one, they were committed to each other. They were committed to each other. You know what? People don't like that word, C word, commitment. I'll never forget. No kidding. No kidding. My first, very first wedding that I ever did was in Watertown, South Dakota. I'll ne- Rachel, I'll never forget as long as I live. I was scared as it was because it was my first wedding, never knowing how to do the, the vows and all that kind of steps you have to do to do in a wedding. And Jason, when I did this wedding, it was crazy. Here I am, and I'm doing the old traditional vows, all right? Loving the whole from this day forward, better for worse, okay? And then when it came to the woman, how many women remember this? I promised to uh, be committed and submissive to you. Remember the old vows? In the middle when I said that, Stephen, I'm not exaggerating. Bam! She slapped the bride. I'm a, she said, I ain't never doing that. I took that out of the vows. <laughs> but my point is that she said, I, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not committing to you. I'm, no. I'm like, why, why are you getting married? But you know what the thing is, is here's the deal. A lot of times we're afraid of the C word, the commitment word. Because commitment means that you have to give some skin. That you have to give some sacrifice. That you have to give something up. That I'm committed and I'm committed to give some skin. Man, I, I can't wait till 4th of July or when we, do, uh, when we honor the Veterans Day and we have all these things. Because I love doing it. It's my favorite time. Because you know what? I, I can tell you already, what we do for that, it will make you cry. But you know what? Every time I see them, I, I, I cry. And about a year ago, I went to the Fort Snelling with my, my wife. And her mom is laid there in Fort Snelling. And, I, man, when I got a chance to go there, we found her, her, her tombstone there. And you look across the field, man, it's all covered in white tombstones. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, we got to her grave site there. And, of course, we put flowers there and so on. And I just began to cry because her mother was like my mother. But really what really made me cry more than other things was because it was like a sea of tombstones across that whole scope of, man, that field. And all I could do, and I'm not kidding, I started crying. And all I could do was say, thank you. Thank you that you laid down your life for us. One of the hardest things that I have to do is when I have to go to the veterans hospitals. And I'd go to the veterans hospital, especially in Grand Junction, because it wasn't a very good place for the foyer there. And they put all the people in the foyer, and they'd be lined up, I kid you not, and all these lame people from injuries, from battle. And you'd have to walk down this corridor with all these people. And time I got to the end and going to have to go up on the fourth floor or whatever I was going to go see a patient, I'd be in tears because, you know what, they have lame, the limbs missing. Maybe they couldn't see. And I thought, man, they didn't know us, but they gave their life for us. That's what it means to be committed that I'm willing to help and to be committed to stay into this thing and fight the fight with you. You see, 1 Samuel 20, verse 4 says these words. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. Wow. Talk about all in. We uh, played softball in, in our team, and, and we uh, every year we'd win the tournament for our softball team, and we had a good softball team. Remember right, David and Sherry had, that Discover Church, we had a great team. Started off the Bad News Bears. Our first two years, we were the Bad News Bears. There was a lot of news to write about us. But before you know it, 
we, we started winning. But the last time we had our last tournament, one of our last tournaments, our slogan was, we're in it to win it. And you know what? That's what friendship is. You're in it to win it. You're in it to win it. It's not a surface friendship. It's not a shallow friendship. Hi, goodbye, and how's the family? But I'm committed to the task. You see, a true friend will not run when times get hard, but will stay and encourage you. That they will stay and encourage you. You know what? When I, when I was in high school, I was older than a lot of my students or a lot of my friends because I was put back. I had a, I had a problem reading when I was younger, and I was in special ed classes. How many of you can relate to what I'm saying? Maybe you were, but I was in special ed classes. And I'll never forget when I had to go to all these special ed classes and my friends, normal friends, as they would say, would go to their normal classes, and I'd be in these special ed classes. And I couldn't read. And because I was in these special ed classes, I was put back uh, from, from uh, being promoted into grade different grades. And so because I was older, uh, I was able to get my driver's license a lot before a lot of my friends, a lot of my peers. But once I got my car, it was amazing. Man, I had more friends than I've ever thought. They were coming out of the woodwork. I thought there was a, I had a loaf of bread in my hand, and they were a bunch of roaches. Uh, roaches. And I mean, they were coming everywhere. Hey, CJ, can I get a ride? Hey, CJ, you're my best friend, CJ. And man, I thought I was CJ's taxi service. But as soon as they started getting of age and started getting their car, those friends were gone. They were only committed to me for what they can get from me. That's not what a true friendship is. And once I got, they got their cars, some of them didn't even talk to me. I looked like I was Ray Glade Spray or something now. That something was wrong with me. You see, friends are committed for not what you can get, but what you can give. You see, that's why it says in Acts, it's better to give than it is to receive. And it means that way as a friend that I'm going to give. There are a lot of people who will commit to you for only what they can get from you. And when it's gone, so are they. A friend stays when times get tough and help you carry the load. Number two, friends are honest with you. They're honest with each other. Friends are honest with each other. In 1 Samuel 20, verse 13, as we get to this point, go ahead, Jeremiah. But if my father, what, what, what's happening here is Jonathan is talking to David. And Saul, as you know, was coming after, coming after David. And here, can you imagine, talk about committed to a friendship. Jonathan said, if my dad is coming after you, I will be honest. If my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with you, me, Jonathan. Be so ever so severely. If I do not let you know and send you away in peace, May the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. In other words, I want to be honest with you. You see, listen, honesty and friendship is important so that you can trust and believe in each other. Friends are honest when you're doing something wrong. Not just yes people. Not just yes people. I remember uh, some time ago when I was working out, I like to work out when I was working out at Lifetime and there in the cities, had a good friend, his name was Elvin. And Elvin and I would work out. I mean, man, when I work out, I work out and I perspire like, just like any of us do. And uh, man, in the midst of my perspiring, he stops and he looks at me. He said, CJ, he said, dude, you stink. I'm like, what? He said, man, you stink. I said, what do you mean I stink? 
Well, what it was, I take garlic. I take vitamins. I take a lot of vitamins. And I was taking garlic pills. And the garlic was coming out of me that I was stinking. And man, when he first said that, I wanted to give him the right hand of fellowship because you're insulting me, man. What are you talking about? I put my right guard on, amen. My left guard might not be on, but I got my right guard on. And he said, man, you stink. He said, what do you mean I stink? He said, man, dude, you, you, you smell like garlic. You stink. And you know, at first it offended me. But then I, you know what? You're right. I do stink. The devil put a stink on me. But he was honest. And that's what you have to be with other people. You have to be with that with your friends. When you see them going off a cliff, are you going to wait for them to go off a cliff? Or are you going to be honest with them and say, hey, wait a minute. I don't like the direction you're going because that's what friendships are for. Are you going off a cliff? Something going on? Number three, a true friend you can trust. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read 1 Samuel 20. You can read that by yourself. But a true friend you can trust. A lot of people don't trust one another because they have been burned by someone who might have said something that they shared with them. How many can relate to that, what I'm talking about? Man, I trusted you, and man, dude, you, you took and you made a newspaper out of my news. How many can relate to what I'm saying? You know, as a kid, when I was growing up, you mess with me, you mess with fire. You mess with fire, you get burnt. And a lot of us have been burnt. We've been burnt, and so because we've been burnt, we have closed ourselves off to friends or letting somebody in our, in our lives, and we, we keep people at a distance like this. This is all you're going. This is the parameters. And so our relationships become not heartfelt, but they become surface. And all of our, it's all about surface. Feel good. But you know what? Friendship is not just all about feeling good because goosebumps go away and hard times will come. And if you always build your friendships on surface, who's going to be the friend to help you when you hit the hard times? But a lot of times what happens is we've been burnt. And friends are forever, number four. True friendship is not here today and gone tomorrow. It should last forever no matter where you are. A true friend. Not just your friend when things are going well. See, why is it when we're happy, we sing a happy tune? But when we're sad, we sing the blues. And we sometimes do that with friends. When they're down and out and under, out of their luck, what do we do? We run from them because misery does love company, and I don't want to be a part of that. So instead of helping the situation, we run from it. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to give a little skin, say, hey, listen, I'm committed with you. I'm here to help you out in your time of need. That's what it's all about. I close with this. and that. When I was going through my dry spell for those two years, I had a friend that stayed with me the only ones that really prayed for me. And that was Dave and Sherry. And you know what they did? They, they sat me down in their cabin and they put me in a chair, hot seat, baby. And they put their hands on me and they prayed for me. I'll never forget that, Dave. You were there. That's what a friend is. I wonder, do you have a friend? What are the signs of a friend if we close? Put them up there. Go ahead, Jay. Do you always take and not give back? Are you just takers? Just one-way street? 
got to get back. What you invest in now, you make withdrawals later. Do you act one way in front of them and another way when you're not around them? Wow. That's sad, ain't it? Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. But behind their backs, you're stabbing them in the back. Isn't that something? That hurts, don't it? That hurts. Number three, are you trustworthy? Can they depend on you? Loose lips sink ships. That means friendships. You know, can they trust you? Gossip, it's anything that doesn't have anything to pertain to you. If you're taking anybody's information out and gossiping or talking about it, that's gossip. And gossip destroys and hurts friendships. Are you honest? Are you honest with each other? If I see somebody falling off a cliff, I'm going to let them know, hey, man, you're going off the cliff. Are you committed? Are you committed? Do you got that stick to itness? Six, do you gossip about your friends? And seven, are you friends forever? Michael W. Smith used to sing a song, and the friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them, and a friend will not say never. Remember that song? It was a big one. And you know what? That song was really hard and pressed on my heart when I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma City. When those thousand kids, the day we resigned, thousand kids, I'll never forget, and they played that song. <laughs> and then they made a line, a procession. A thousand kids that day, hugging Cheryl and I. It took over four hours for them to say goodbye. Never forget that. And you know what? That song still rings true because they still are our friends. Just because it's out of sight doesn't mean it has to be out of mind. A friendship is built in the heart. Will you stand with me today? Today, how do you hydrate yourself? Find a brother and sister. I want to do something today, and I know that maybe feel uncomfortable some of you, but I want you to take the person's hand to the left of you and grab that person's hand. And then I want you to fill in the aisles and grab the person right up. We're going to be a family today. Fill in the aisles, will you? Come on. I know this is uncomfortable to some. But look at look at this. Look at this. Come here, Everett. Come here. I want you to see this. Come here. Come here. Look at this. Look at this family. Look at this, Andy. Come here, Andy. I want you to see this. Look at how cool this is. Come here. Come on up here. Don't be afraid. You're not going to get strike dead. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? What do you see up here, Andy? Up here, Andy. A really big family. Exactly. Look at that. You know what I see? I see color mixed with color. I see different nationalities mixed with different nationalities. If you put your hands behind your back, guess what you don't see? Color. You only see color by what you put in front of you. But we're family. And a family that prays together, stays together. A family that loves together, grows together. And a family that grows together, gets stronger together, accomplish much together. Now, come on, grab my arm right here. Right here. Now let's pray. Father, I thank you for this wonderful family. May we be a church that's friendly.
a church that builds relationships. And I'm not talking surface relationships. Because talk is cheap, but action is deep. And I pray that, God, that you would draw us together. That we will build relationships that will last forever. That we will be committed to one another. That we will be committed, Lord God, to each other when we fall. And even when we're on the mountaintops. That we will be there to help one another out. Bless this church. Bless each individual. And may they find a friend to pick them up when they fall. But it all starts by us being friendly to the friendless. So, Father, I pray that you'd go with us. May this church be a church that's full of love, acceptance, and forgiveness. And we thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Now let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. We here at Adventure Church would really love to hear from you. You can connect with us online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram by using at Adventure Church Siren or check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.